Welcome to Highly Volatile, an unfiltered podcast for real-life professional traders, investors, and top executives. To be the best, you need your thoughts and perspectives challenged by the best. This podcast series features some of the most thought-provoking and disruptive minds in both businesses and investing. My name is Kevin Van Trump, and I'm joined each podcast by my good friend, legendary trader and angel investor, Andy Daniels. Together, we attempt to challenge the conventional and gain a better understanding of the disruptor. We search high and low for wealth hacks and exciting new investment opportunities, but at the same time, try to uncover hidden pitfalls and unforeseen changes coming our direction that might rock our worlds. We hope you're challenged by our unfiltered thoughts and conversations and enjoy our highly volatile podcast. Hey, this is Kevin Van Trump here again with the Highly Volatile Podcast. My good friend Andy Daniels, uh, we're just here to uh, talk a little bit about what's happening in the global economies, what's happening here at home, what's happening in rural America. We're going to have our special guest, uh, Mike Mock, on here in a little bit. And Andy, how are things going for you down in Florida? Boy, they're doing great, Kev. Uh, if it were just uh, the weather and um, and the beauty of the, uh, of the scenery, it'd be one thing, but... Um, Obviously, there's a lot more underlying to that. The fact that they've closed all the beaches and uh, haven't yet closed the golf courses, but like everywhere, restaurants are closed and any place you have social interactions pretty well uh, slowed down other than the, uh, the, the, the benefactors of the economy, such as Costco and Walmart and people like that. <clears throat> yeah, you're right there. I know we were talking earlier. and I've kind of adjusted my own personal portfolio around a little bit. and I know I have... Uh, I'm more heavily invested in Costco and Walmart than, hell, I've probably ever been in the last, you know, I guess five, ten years. And, you know, like I said, I think, you know, you're going to take billions of dollars off the table here at different restaurants, uh, bars, and locations, and it certainly looks as if uh, Walmarts and the Costcos and, uh, are going to have uh, some type of windfall for an extended period. Wouldn't you agree, Andy? Or? Yeah, I sure think they will. Um the question is, uh, when we come to the other side, and we will. Hey, let's let's be realistic. Uh, as I said last time, uh, you got seven billion people against one virus, and we're going to whip the virus's ass. But when we come out of this, just like we did after '01, things are going to be different. You know, in '01, we started going through security and taking our shoes off and our belts, and having eighty-year-old nuns get uh, um, frisked and uh, at the uh, at, by by uh, airport security. I think going forward, we're, we're going to see probably a more a greater hesitation, at least for a period of time, of people wanting to go to restaurants, willing certainly willing to go on cruise ships, and you know it'll take time for people to get back into the realm of flying again. And uh, uh, so, so things are going to change. Uh, gosh, when I look around and I and I think the biggest, the hardest hit deal I see out there is going to be commercial real estate. When it when you know I think one thing that we've everyone's starting to realize and both in terms of universities and doing classes online. I'm listening to my son in the other room right now do one, actually. Um, and, 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 and even the work environment, you know, our 60 people in our office are all working from home now. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, people are finding themselves to be more efficient, more effective, and more productive. And uh, so, you know, I think 
it's going to be a real stretch to to have big offices, and and I, I think it's going to be a change that's going to be with us going into the future. And so, I, commercial real estate is not something I'd want to be on the uh, long list of at the moment. Hey, that's that's optimistic for me, Andy. Great. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, no, but your, most of your your holdings in that regard are in in, in, in apartments and condos and uh, that yeah. sort of thing, more so than you know retail office space. And we've all looked at you know box stores as kind of being in trouble, but I think now you're going to see more on the uh, um, you know in, in the office side of the uh, uh, equation uh, come under fire as well. Yeah, banker friend of mine, uh, he, he called last week and said. Hey, you know, I know you and your kids, anybody ever want, you know, you guys want any business down in uh, Austin? You want to buy some buildings in Austin and uh, in through Texas and Houston, you're going to have your opportunity. Like we talked, I mean, I almost am of the contention. If you would have just had the sliding oil like we've seen and the fallout in oil where you would have told me we're going to have crude oil sub 20 bucks, I'd have said the stock market without coronavirus would be at the level it is right now. We would have had a 20% fallout, 25% fallout. With the with the damage we've done uh, in the energy sector, that's without the corona. So, uh, you know, we started talking on the real estate side. Well, we think Texas is just going to get gutted. Uh, we've seen some occupancy rates in Houston. Hell, there you're already thirty percent vacancies in a lot of buildings, and moving into that Austin area now, you're having big vacancies. And you know, I, I think you're going to see that across the board as a lot of these restaurants and. and and different type of hospitality things have to start closing, and, and like Andy's saying, some of these offices, hell, you learn to, uh, you learn you can work from home, and you learn you can be uh, somewhat uh, mobile and, and uh, off the campus, so to speak, uh, and, and be productive. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm with you, Andy. I think like we were talking, you know, and and, we, and I've been talking to several banks this week, is we're supposed to be closing on a couple buildings and different things, and. Uh, they, they, they've all said the same thing. They think six, eight, nine months out, there, there's going to be some fire sales out there on some uh, on some properties, and, and it's probably just inevitable. And I think you know, just be patient here. Like you know, we said one of the hardest things to do right now when all we have is time. Andy and I were talking this morning, and I was telling him some trades. I was doing something else. He's like, "Hell, you're just doing it because you're bored." And, and and we started laughing. I said, "Yeah, you're probably right. I'm probably talking myself into half of this shit because I am bored." So. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, the hardest thing to do right here is do nothing and, and be patient. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I would. And, you know, Kevin, one of the things you were telling me earlier today was, uh, you know, some some uh, one of the uh, um, metrics uh, looking at Google is uh, the hottest uh, item out there on the uh, search engine was uh, what stocks to invest in. Wasn't that one of them you were looking at? Yeah, how, how to invest in the stock market is the one that rattles me up because, like I said, that's, uh, you know, our friends and buddies that were traders, they're not the ones typing that one in. No, no. This this is Retail Joe who uh, has maybe a little extra, few extra bucks in the uh, bank and saying, well, maybe it's time to find a deal. I missed the big rally up, so maybe I'll buy it on the correction. But, boy, that's not the kind of money you want to see coming in the market right now, is it? No, definitely not. Definitely not. So, no, that, that's got me fearful. I mean, if I had to guess, I, like I said, I, I think, you know, I don't know whether it's two weeks from now or two months from now, but I definitely think we, we trade lower. Uh, I think this market trades lower. I, I don't know if it blows out the low that it posted, but I, I, I personally think it will. Uh, what are your thoughts, Andy? you think? 
He went and gained some traction. From I don't there. think in any way. I couldn't agree with you more. In no way is this a V bottom. Um, you know, to, if we just had our break and now we're coming back and we had three days in a row up markets and today started that way or kind of, a, but it isn't ending that way or didn't end that way. And no, I think that you know we're living on the sugar high of a two trillion dollar injection, but uh, that two trillion dollars will be gone before you can blink your eyes and. By the end of this month, uh, there'll be more money needed. And, um, you know, the question is, by the end of this month, are we going to have a handle on it? And, and is this quarantine issue going to be over with, or is it going to extend another month or two out? I'll tell you one of the things that I had a conversation with a, a fellow that I'm on a board of his company over in, uh, don't laugh at me, in Nigeria, um, where we're making toothpicks. And, you know, he's a pretty sophisticated guy. He used to live in the States, uh, work for uh, all the big uh, big banks, um, and is pretty well connected over in, in uh, Nigeria. But but he was saying that the, the Lago, the uh, capital, 20 million people, just went on lockdown yesterday for two weeks. And I said, two weeks? That's not long enough. He goes, well, <laughs> two weeks is about all we can do over here. He said, in two weeks, people will be starving. I mean, this is an economy that doesn't have a safety net, doesn't have the world's biggest printing press. And really, frankly, can't handle, um, you know, being out of work uh, for, for more than two weeks. Two weeks is already too much pressure on the, on the social economic structure of this nation, and that's one of that's probably the wealthiest nation in Africa. So, you know, and, and if you look at other parts of the world, the same thing's true. So, I don't know what we're going to gain um, other than time to get our healthcare system in place to get the government relief in place to get uh, a head start on 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 treatments and and and, and, a, and a vaccine which isn't going to be tomorrow or the next day that's for sure but but you know once we do come back online and we start socializing again and restaurants opening again i mean how are you going to 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 do away with what <laughs> You know, you're just going to reintroduce everything again. Well, I was reading in your wire yesterday a really good point you made about uh, how in, in, in Huan uh, people are getting it now for the second time. Uh, talk a little bit about that, if you would, Kev. Yeah, I mean, that's the one that's kind of scary. They were saying 5 to 10% of the people that had already had it were testing positive again. They weren't coming up nearly as sick, but they were testing positive again. And, you know, maybe there's some things in the data there who knows but regardless it, it is worrisome and you know like you and i were talking andy i, I mean we're you know this is this hit the coast first and here we are spreading into to middle america and into rural america and, and the people seem a lot less lack about it here in rural america in the midwest and, and through a lot of the places i've seen and uh you know i tell it, it it could be a scary scenario play out here uh, for the farming communities you know, um, like like yeah. you said, I think you know you agree. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I look forward to getting Mike's opinion on that too. But um, yeah, that the infrastructure uh, in New York and uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco is one thing. The infrastructure in the Midwest is something entirely different from a from a healthcare perspective. And uh, you know, you look at the age and vulnerability of the Midwest rural areas and and the economic uh, conditions of those areas, and you know. <laughs> Anyone involved in the ag world now can tell you the last four or five years haven't been a bowl of uh, cherries to begin with, and and boy, this just uh, you know adds more pressure to that whole whole process. And so as goes 
farm prices and farm communities, so goes rural America, and, and, and certainly certainly across the Midwest. So uh, I'll be interested to delve into that subject a little bit more. In terms of investments, I don't know, Kevin. Right now, I, I'm I'm kind of on the sidelines. I, I think that you know, if if I'm not invested already, um, I'm uh, I'm on the sidelines. If I'm invested, I'm trying to do whatever I can minimally to maintain what I have. And uh, I think that there'll be some phenomenal opportunities. Vulture financing, I like to call it. Good deals like buildings you may be looking at right now uh, are just that, good deals. But uh, the vulture financing, uh, unfortunately, is uh, something that's going to come, as you said, maybe uh, six, nine months from now when uh, when things start filtering through. But, but we're not going to come out of this as quickly as we certainly would hope. Um, damage is done. And, you know, industries that were already shaky kind of being propped up with uh, cheap money are, are going to come home to roost. And uh, that speaks more probably than just the energy world. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to permeate through many different sectors of the economy. Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's what we were talking about. It's, you know, hell, yeah, you may be able to buy a building or a piece of ground now at 20, 25% off, but hell. <laughs> you sit and be patient. You might be able to buy it at 70, 80% off here um, in a few months uh, or, or a ways down the road here a little bit. But, and we're just hearing that from several banks. I mean, like I said, I got good relationships with a lot of different bankers uh, across the U.S., and, and everyone has said the same thing on the boards. I mean, I, I mean so if a customer comes and asks for uh, an interest rate reduction or asks for, for you know, forgiveness on, on some payments, I mean, Sure, you can work with them for a minute or two, but but what are they going to do? I mean, if the bank tells them no, we're not in a position to do this for everyone across the board. I mean, it isn't like they're going to walk out of the bank and go next door to the bank down the street and get get it financed. It isn't going to happen, like we've said. I mean, you pretty much have the relationships you have right now established with the bank. You're going to have to make that work with the bank. And and in many cases, the bank's going to have to, at some point, draw a line in the sand because they can't do it for everyone. And then, you know, you're, you're going to have some fire sales just because, you know, you're not going to be in a position with your balance sheet. The balance sheet's what's going to be so beat up. It's like we were talking earlier, Andy. It's like we were laughing when some of the guys were saying, go refinance your house and go buy stocks. And <laughs> you made the comment, shit, <laughs> once they get your appraisal back and then, and then let me know what you think about it. I mean... And we just had that. I told Andy, I, we, we're waiting to close on this one building. And I'm not shitting you. And we wrote the contract back, oh, hell, it was a month and a half ago. But the bank just got the appraisal in on the building and sent it to us yesterday. There were like 17 pages on COVID corona crisis inside this commercial appraisal on because the walk score on this building is like close to 95 or 97. It's really centrally located with a lot of other restaurants, bars, and things around Hell, they made the assumption and they cut their appraisal by like 200000 off of where they were because they think other buildings on the street are going to come up empty and vacant and restaurants are going to close and this is going to close. And, you know, you're going to have a glut of supply on the market, which is going to devalue uh, the building itself. So well, that was interesting that they're already throwing that in uh, commercially. Hey, yeah, that isn't exactly based on comps because nothing's traded. No, no, there's nothing trading. Nobody's putting anything on the market. Realtors aren't showing anything. And they're just throwing these, you know, these massive documents in of, uh, you know, of these, uh, you know, what if scenarios and how this is going to play out. So, yeah, it doesn't look. Uh, I, I, I've never seen. Uh, I, I've never seen in a uh, 
in, in, a, in a appraisal uh, situation, a forward-thinking statement before in my life. So this yeah. is all uncharted waters at every level. <laughs> right. I hope I agree with you. It uh, looks like Mike uh, Mock just jumped on. Andy's still on the line. And for those of you, uh, I'm sure most of you know or have been to our events or, or come to our conferences, we got a lot of uh, respect for, for Mike. Mike was with the Andersons for a number of years, and now he's uh, really doing a great job down with CGB and our good friends uh, down with Consolidated Grain and Barge. And, and we have a great time. Mike had me down there in St. Louis, came down and talked uh, this, this last year and met a lot of really fantastic folks and uh, and really love what they're doing down there with Greg and, and his crew and the rest of the group. And I know Mike also, uh, you know, he consults has his group of farmers and, and friends and still uh, deep in the farming sector. And, and so Mike definitely has his uh, hand uh, in the mix, so to speak. And I, I'm just super excited that we had him on here today, of, uh, you know, after the USDA popped these numbers on us with the acreage and, and the quarterly stocks and, Really, kind of, Mike. What are you hearing from the farmers out there, and what what are you uh, what are you thinking is going to happen here? You got ninety seven million acres of corn in the mix, and you know, I, I, I give us kind of your thoughts on what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a really tough stretch, Kevin. Uh, I think that today's uh, stocks number was the number that I was most interested, and I think farmers will be a little frustrated because the the low stocks number would suggest that the crop was indeed, you know, overstated by the USDA. Now, they won't revise uh, either the corn or bean production numbers until at the end of the season, but you probably got to hack off a, a bushel to two bushels. Uh, perhaps there's some adjustment in the feed. But when we get out here to the uh, next Wednesday on April 9th, uh, the USDA will have to cut their uh, or increase the uh, feed and residual number to reflect this lower stocks number. But but the problem is if you if you take that stock figure uh, and kind of in, you know adjust your thought process on last year's crop size, at the same time uh, we're struggling to meet the export estimate. Uh, even if China comes in, I think it'll be a challenge to significantly um, you know bump up the export number. And the real risk here, Kevin, is as we all know with the black swan of coronavirus and the energy scenario, is that over the next month or two, the USDA is bound to cut uh, the ethanol grind substantially. So the good news in terms of the fact that we're the cheapest corn in the world today, that the export prospects look better. We've got uh, a situation with, um, you know, a, a lower stocks number, which would be supportive, maybe even throw in uh, some potential weather issues, either in the Black Sea or perhaps the Safrinia corn. But any and all of that good news could easily be offset by, you know, a, an eventual 500, 600 million reduction in ethanol grind, depending on how long this lasts. I don't know what you guys have done. I've been checking my mileage, and I'm running right at 50% of what I was doing three to four weeks ago. I see the uh, governor of Virginia now has extended social distancing in that state till June 10. So, you know, we've got $20 crude oil. Uh, on the futures market, but some of the terminal markets are $10 cash. We're running out of storage capacity uh, for for oil, just like we would run out of uh, storage capacity for corn where we put it on the ground. But where are you going to put all this excess oil, Kevin? And so <clears throat> the, the the black swan here that we get hit upside the head with is this, this ethanol situation. It really makes it difficult. So in the short run, and I'm talking basically about old crop corn, you know, we probably got cheap enough for a minute, but I'm not sure where we're going to go. And you guys discussed, I know I listened to your conversations last week about 
you know, are you ready to buy corn yet? Well, yeah, I, as a speculator, I don't think I'd want to buy it. As a farmer, I think I have to be prepared to sell a very modest bounce uh, in old crop corn given the situation. Now, new crop's a little different. Uh, we've got a lot of time. A lot of things can happen. Uh, I would su- suggest that energy prices will be significantly higher by the time we get to the fall. I don't know whether that's $30 a barrel or $40 a barrel, but it's something higher than where we are today. Hopefully with the ethanol folks back on their feet. I also think, Kevin, that we printed a high with the uh, acreage number at 97 million. And I do, you mentioned CGB and, and my friends there, they did a great job surveying 6,000 producers uh, the first of the month. And that's exactly what the, those 6,000 farmers told us, 97 million. But a lot has changed between now and then. And, and I think you guys touched on this last week too. You know, the total acreage pie for corn and beans tends to run 180 million or so. And I think today it was just a little higher than that, about 180.5 when you combine the corn and the beans. And the first thing I would say is that two crop total needs to come down. Um, I'm going to use a number, and I'm, I'm still fine tuning this as you guys can imagine, but I'm going to use about a 177 two crop total. And uh, instead of a, a 97, uh, corn number. I think we're headed to somewhere between 92 and 93, and I think the 83 and a half beans that the gov suggested could turn into 85 or even uh, 86, and and that goes back to what you guys talked about last week too. I think a lot of this has to do with the influence of the financial institutions and what they will lend and and not lend to. The cotton number that we got today also too high. Uh, what we what we think we'll see is an increase in Durham. We're going to see an increase in soybeans. We're going to see an increase in milo, uh, probably see an increase in rice, uh, and, and cotton and corn will give up some of that ground. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to be friendlier longer term, but, but until we know when we're going to get back to driving on a normal basis, until we can plug in something with some confidence relative to this uh, forward consumption uh, in terms of ethanol grain, it's really difficult to see a bounce in corn and even in new crop corn. The job of the market, I think, is to make sure that we, we cut this corn acreage, three or four million, and, and uh, I, I'll just use my backyard. We went from $4.10 old crop prices in my backyard uh, to, to now we're at uh, $3 uh, cash, and the new crop bids aren't any too fancy either with 40 under. So if you want to sell corn over here tonight, you might be lucky to get 320. Man, that sends a strong message, Kevin and Andy, about what to not plant uh, in terms of uh, new crop corn acreage. So that's a a mouthful, but I thought I'd I'd start with that. No, Mike, do you think the... uh... Oh, go ahead, Kevin. No, I'm just saying, you and I, we're in agreement. So, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Andy, talk for a second. No, no, I was just going to ask if, if you thought the uh, – how much of the, 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 the financing has already been already been worked out? I mean, I understand there's – seed corn's hard to come by in many parts of the country. Uh, logistics have kind of gotten snafu'd with all this coronas. Um, and, and, and what about, what about uh, bank financing? Is, is that all locked and loaded, and are we uh, Andy, possibly I looking at less acres? Yeah. As a result yeah, of that, it's kind of, a bar, it's kind of a barbell thing. On one end, you've got well-financed, well-positioned farmers. Uh, some of them probably did uh, you know, a, a good job of marketing. May have cleaned up the old crop earlier, got a nice start in new crop. 
they can approach it a little differently. And I think if you're in McLean County or Champaign County, Illinois, you're going to go do what you do because you can afford to. But I think on the margin, you know, there's going to be some significant change. And I think that we went, even in the farmer attitude that we talked, you know, I wouldn't say a month ago they said, by God, I'm going to grow my way out of this. I'll be okay. And now the thought process is I've got to do everything I can uh, to limit my exposure this coming year and, and from a financial standpoint. So it's too early, particularly up north, to talk about prevent plant. But I, I can tell you there are probably guys sitting there right now and say, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if it stayed wet or I could take a little PP and not have to put a crop in the ground. I, I don't think there's any question, Andy, that, that we're going to see this financing thing really work on trimming back cotton and corn acres. It's just if I'm going to lose money, I want to lose as little as possible. And, uh, and you know, we can trade seed corn in for, for bean seed. Um, I think that will happen. But I think the banker – uh, you know, is, is really going to make uh, uh, force some adjustments here given these circumstances. It's just awfully hard to sit uh, here in the Eastern Belt, for example, and talk about 320 new crop prices and say, here, you got a carte blanche to go plant a corn crop. I, man, I, and particularly, Andy, I think a lot of these guys are still uh, stuck with too much old crop. We've got way too many uh, corn basis contracts against the May that haven't been priced. We've got too much DP inventory. Uh, we got some corn on farm in the bin that's on price. We have not nearly enough new crop hedged. All of those things, I think, will, will uh, concern the banker to the point he's going to pull in the purse string. I'm, I'm pretty adamant about that tonight. And the basis has gotten crushed for all the reasons you just suggested in terms of ethanol uh, slowdowns and shutdowns and everything else. Yeah, in some cases, no bid, Andy. You know, uh, we've, we've heard about people that, you know, I, I talked to a gentleman the other day out in the PNW that's got some really, really nice contracted DDGs at prices well below the market, but who knows if it'll get delivered, you know. Uh, it's, uh, there are some really, really strange things going on here. Um, and, and, you know, on top of what's really frustrating, too, and, and uh, you know, we've got a record, all-time record soybean price in Brazil tonight. You know, the real is at 5.2. Uh, you know, our stress has been their opportunity. Uh, we have to understand that. If there's one frustration that, that maybe Kevin and I might share, you know, with a lot of people that in our business are working with farmers, is that the U.S. grower got so focused on last year's supply issue, he could never see the demand problems that were coming. And, uh, and, and we've invited everybody else in the, in the Black Sea and to uh, in the folks in the Southern Hemisphere to join our production party. And the currencies with the dollar so strong has just exaggerated that. So that, that demand problem was here to begin with. And then you pull the rug on ethanol, and the basis in the East goes from 40 uh, you know, over to, to 10 or 20 under, no bid. Uh, it, it's a real devastating blow. And, and so the psychology here, I think, has changed so significantly from a month ago to I'll, I'll grow my way out of it to now I've got to do everything I can just to survive another season. That, that's that's the, the noise I'm hearing from the country relative to moving forward here. It just, it just screams less corn, less cotton, something safe, something cheap, um, so I can live to fight another day. Hey Mike, we've uh, I've even heard some of my really it's kind of weird, but I don't tell me if you've heard any. I some of my really good producers out there uh, called me earlier. You know, kind of when it happened, and they said they still had a chance. And they were 
penciled it all out, and they were up their insurance to ninety five percent, something they've never done. And yeah, yeah. Hell, it 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 penciled for for most. You know, it's with the corn yeah. price guarantee in the spring where it was. And so you've seen some guys. Yeah, I think Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, that's yeah. a really good point, and and uh, I think that's a selective group. Um, you know, I don't know how narrow that is, but it's an important group, and and particularly for folks that did not want to. Heck, they haven't planted anything yet. I don't want to be real aggressive with new crops. Well, then you upgrade your insurance. You know, you buy up all the prevent plant coverage you can and, and do those kinds of things. So those private products that you stack on an 80 or 85% RP policy make a world of sense. I, I just don't know how deep uh, we got with that, uh, you know, from the insurance sources. You know, CGB uh, is, you know, is the uh, operates diversified services, which is a hell of an insurance group, and they promoted some of these products and kind of got – you know, a mixed response. But I think guys that did that made a really, really good decision. And I think I think we're getting better with the insurance programs every year. You know, it's at least been around 20-plus years in most areas. And farmers, I think, are getting increasingly um, aware of how to use that as part of their overall risk management program. And, Kevin, if you had the bulk of your old crop cleaned up, you got, say, 30, 35, maybe on the high side, 40% of your new crop price, and you got a real good crop insurance policy in place, I don't know that I would worry that much today. But what I am worried about is a guy that doesn't have any new crop on, still got half his old crop, and, and he, he's sweating bullets. So that goes back to that barbell. You've got winners and losers you know, on, on either side of this, and, and uh, that's what makes it challenging, and it's a case-by-case basis depending on what grower you're talking to. How, uh, it's awful hard to look might. in the mirror right now and uh, look in the mirror right now and say, uh, at these price levels, uh, boy, we're still the highest price producer, but in a lot of cases we are with the strength of the dollar and the weakness in other currencies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not a pretty picture. It makes it, it, makes it tough, Andy, and, and I, I do think that guys are doing what they can to, to make adjustments. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we do a lot more work now in terms of precision agriculture. Kevin knows that very, very well, and the guys are working with their agronomists to, to, to grow more with less. But um, you're right, it's a real challenge here. And, and, you know, I don't want to be, you know, completely Debbie Downer. Uh, You know, there are good opportunities right here tonight for 2020 wheat and 2021 wheat that guys need to address. I think with all these messes that we've got somewhere else, we've got wheat at such a premium to corn. uh, It's high prices where we can make money. There are all kinds of ways to, to sell it if you, if you want to do it uh, with futures only or flat price or some sort of structured product. Uh, but I, I think guys need to look at that. I think there's some hope in beans. Um, you know, if, if, particularly if China, and you touched on this last week, if China steps up and buys some old crop beans because of South American logistics, if they, if they step back in in July and August, uh, come back to some sort of normalcy in the fall, we could see some interesting things there. Um, so, so I think the safe play uh, is is encouraging guys on the margin uh, to move from corn to beans, and I think the market's in the process of doing that. I was taking a peek to guys that just, a, and I'm just picking numbers, but if these corn was 360, and we rallied November beans up towards that gap at nine bucks, that would take the ratio to two and a half to one. I think we have to go at least that far uh, to to get the adjustment that we're talking about here. So, um, and, and you know, we'll see how that plays out. But I, I think the downside risk in new beans today is pretty minimal. 
And I would say that the upside potential uh, in, in the short run, next 30, 60 days until we know more about the virus and, and miles driven. You know, one thing that staggered me yesterday that kind of gives you an idea that the TSA said that they screened, um, you know, relative to year on year, their screenings were down 97% yesterday versus the same day a year ago. I mean, parts of this economy have just come to a complete dead stop. And um, and that really, really hurts the energy market and indirectly then really hurts the corn market. It's it's just what it is today. It's a tough one. Hey, I want to ask one question to both of you because you know every listener, and I like to put you on the spot. But what do you think? <laughs> what can we trade the uh, front end? What can we trade old crop corn down to? Can we get sub three bucks here? Uh, you know, Kevin, I'm not uh, – I'm going to use, and again, who knows with this black swan, but typically, and especially this early in the season, I did some work on this. You take 85% insurance, that would that would take 388 down to 330. And you normally don't go below that value until you're deeper in the growing season. So 330 on the front end, we got the 332, I think. We bounced today. You know, that might be cheap enough for now until we get more corn in the ground. The funds are short. It's a sizable short, but it's not nearly as short as they were last year at this time. If the funds want to press it, you know, maybe they can get away with it. But um, I, 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 I guess I'm not particularly bearish from today's lows. I just don't see any strength um, of any significance. Uh, we just can't get corn to a point where we get guys encouraged to plant it. we got a job to do to make sure that they don't plant it. So, I'll give you another example of this, Kevin. i got a guy that's pretty aggressive. He's got a really nice book of new crop hedges on. He said, Mike, if we get a real bearish report, I want to sell puts against those hedges. I'm willing to lift at a number. So we were working some 330 D's puts to sell at 12 and a half, which didn't seem like a big job to do when the market was trading them at 11 before the report came out. We break seven cents, and it was like pulling teeth to get those puts sold. We're probably cheap enough. Uh, you know, for the moment. But, man, I don't see much of a bounce. Um, and maybe if we do bounce, it may be more front-end led, you know, with the stocks number a little supportive. We kind of showed a, a little bit of a bullish corn spread scenario. Maybe May corn gets you a 10 or 12-cent bounce and these corn only drifts 3 or $0.04 cents higher, something like that. Uh, that's how I'd look at it. And you guys did a really nice job of talking about the bean spreads uh, last year. It's very interesting to me that you've got uh, – in November 20, uh, about a 22 cent premium to March of 21, with the South American farmer leaning all over those new crop prices, and yet our no futures have to work a little higher to get more bean acres planted. So there's some interesting things going on out there. What? Uh, well, I guess I take a little different opinion. Yeah, go ahead, Andy. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I I would agree that from the fundamental 2 plus 2 equals 4 scenario that uh, we've probably gone far enough. But from the this is outside of every realm of thinking we've ever had and that uh, energy prices are now affecting uh, ethanol production and how deep and, and widespread that goes, I wouldn't rule out that we could go lower than we fundamentally should because at the end of the day, global acres have to come down. And if global acres come down, the high-cost producer is going to be the one that has to bear the price of that. And unfortunately, that we are that high-priced producer. So 
will we go with three bucks and, and below for any period of time? No, but could we go there? Absolutely. Yeah. Particularly if and we Andy, don't think, get these acres down more. Yeah. yeah, Andy, I think that the farmer needs to hear you say that, okay, that, that my comments might be misinterpreted to say, well, Mock's bullish corn. He's not bullish corn. I'm not bullish corn. And I think what you said right there is is, is a uh, uh, not only important for the grower to farm. Those, those, that's a wise individual pointing out there is risk to that level. So you, the, the farmer that's got excessive old crop uh, and, and no new crop sold has to hear that message and has to have a plan. Maybe he just meters out a few sales, you know, every week, the type of thing. But we cannot continue to push – you know, Kevin always likes to take, you know, let's take some chips off the table. Let's take some chips off the table. And the, and the farmer has to have some sort of plan about taking the rest of these, the rest of these old crap chips off the table, given what you just said. I, I probably uh, need to echo your comments a little more than, uh, than, I, than I did initially. There's certainly risk here. What if, what if the funds want to get short 300 like they were last year at the 1st of May? That, that, then prices can do what you did. So I, I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to agree with you a little more than maybe my first comments indicated. There's still too much risk. I mean, Mike, your first blush looking at these numbers today, wouldn't you have thought 83.5 beans? You would have been 10 higher. Yeah, I would have. It was a little. Yeah, it was a little strange. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, it was almost report, like here. This is one of these reports. It's one of the biggest of the year, and the market didn't yeah. move much. It, it, it really yes, maybe, exactly. Maybe, maybe guys don't want to play. You know, open interest has really collapsed over the last month. Have, are people try, tired of playing in our arena? You know, for at least for a moment. Not that they they can't come back, but I was surprised. Well, that we well Mike, eighty percent of all money today tra- that trades in, in, in corn and beans is, is outside money, and and they're just all you know deers in the headlights looking at the equity market. So I think what you just said is 100% true. Yeah, people, you know, the, the, the participation isn't there. And, uh, yeah, and, and I think that's one thing that really hit home with me today. Kevin, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, Andy, I mean, look how small we're trading, you and I. Look what carp's trading. We've all talked about shit. We're all scared scared to death here. What You know, are we going to need this money? Are there going to be other opportunities? We're all taking small positions in comparison to what we normally would. And, um, you know, I think you're right. And just back to you and Mike, you know, Andy, I remember you and I would argue all the time, or we would agree that the fun shit in the corn market, you probably overdo it 30 to 50 cents to the downside and 30 to 50 cents or more to the upside. Um, you know, just by the money, the power of the funds sloshing around. So, like, if Mike believes 330 or Carp believes 330 or 320s, you know, probably a fundamentally true low, hell, the funds could overshoot that by 30 to 50 cents easy. And I think that's what we're we're all saying, right? I mean. And, that's uh, the fear. And, and, and the guy with old crop won't have enough time to recover from something like that. You know, and you mentioned, I mean, I'm not a livestock guy, but, my God, you look at what cattle and hogs have done. I mean, just and the, the way we trade, limit up, then limit down, then expanded limit down, then limit up and expanded limit up. But, uh, it's very, very difficult for any kind of old school professional. The guys that Andy, you and I grew up with, you know, that, most of them we've chased away. Uh, it's, it's a very, very difficult situation. Now, most of them have died, Mike. We're that old. 
<laughs> well, I am in the high-risk area now at 66 years of age, so I'm, I'm watching myself. I'm practicing a lot of social distancing lately, let me tell you. Oh, hell, Mike. Hey, let me ask you guys this. If you're a producer and you're sitting on old crop, what, what do we – I'll just throw out my, my thoughts, what I like to do in this situation. That's why I try and pick your guys' brain on where we think the low is. So if I – let's just say hypothetically I think the low is here at 320. And I just do this based on an old trick uh, a couple of traders showed me uh, on the equity side, the CBOE, when, when they owned an underlying equity. They would just come and, and uh, buy the at-the-money call and, and sell two out of the money. And all I'm saying is you can go in July and you could buy, say, a 330 or 340 call and turn around and sell two of them at 350 or 360. And if you pop and if you still own the bushels, you see what I'm saying, Mike? You're basically giving yourself, we yeah. call it double up the ketchup. You're basically just adding an extra 20 cents to your sales. Uh, if you ba- if you catch that bounce back to three fifty or three sixty, but you can only do it once or twice, so you kind of like to know. You, you, you kind of have to be in the ball game a little bit on where the low might be, because if you go right here and you put on a, you know, a three thirty by three fifty, and shit, we drift down to two eighty. Well, it's all for naught, right? But it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. I mean, you're doing them for even money or slight yeah. credit anyway. But I, I'm just saying no. I'm just tossing out. Do you guys have any ideas for guys that are sitting on the Well, let, let me start with it, it's a very, very difficult question to answer. I, I don't think there's any really that you can say, boy, I got a solution for you. What, what some of the folks have done, uh, Kevin, um, you know, particularly here a week or so ago uh, when we were really starting to plunge, vol got so high that you could still sell out-of-the-money calls at some really good numbers. And so, so, you know, there were guys selling new crop $4 and $4.10 um, uh, calls to pay for, uh, you know, some other marketing strategy. Uh, now, that, the, the trouble is that the vol has dropped off fairly significantly. And with the crop report out of the way, there's nothing really easy that way. You know, maybe for a guy, uh, you know, this is a lot of different ways. You, you just suggested one, I'll suggest another, that uh, I'd split whatever I got into three pieces, I'd pick a spot in the, in the next week or so, uh, on a, hopefully on some sort of little short-covering bounce, and I'd sell a third of it. And the next third, I'd take a look at selling it, buying a slightly out-of-the-money call, and financing that with a back-end, you know, 4, 410, 420 D's call because I've got all this un, unpriced uh, new crop inventory too. And then the last third, I might keep and see how the weather treats me as we get out into – later April and May in case we have a, a, a real serious uh, planning issue like we did a year ago. But, but Kevin, that's kind of grasping at straws. There's nothing really, really good here uh, today. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in. Andy taught me, Andy, you can kind of tell them a little about this. We talked about, hell, when I was younger a long time ago, you'd say, hell, you know, just have a position on and then start to trade around that. It's when you have nothing on and you're kind of completely deer in the headlights, man, things can get away from you. and hurt. You know, maybe talk about that psychology. Andy, what do you think? Well, that's right. If you don't have something on, then what? You, then you have nothing on, and, and now you're just starting from, from you know, from, from a, 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 a dead stop. You know, I think this year, a lot of years everyone thinks, well, yeah, okay, I, I don't want to sell just to break even. Well, this year I think we'd all pray to sell to break even. And so mm-hmm. – you know, it's not like you need to worry about corn going to five bucks 
and uh, being left in the dust. Uh, so to, to, to sell out-of-the-money premium to collect uh, you know, a payment is, is, is worthy of consideration this year more than most. Um, I mean, we could have a full-fledged drought, and, and, and I think there's still a limit to what the upside is. Doesn't mean that you know Mother Nature can't come and, and help the price, but you know globally and with all the demand side uh, equations, with huge question marks surrounding them, the big South American crop, uh, I just can't get my head to a point where I'm not willing to sell at a premium. And uh, if you don't have a position on, as Kevin said, you have nothing to trade against. So. You have to have something on. It's awful hard, as you said, Mike. Uh, volatility's got come gotten uh, deflated after it was pumped up pretty good, ten days, two weeks ago. So you know, I don't know if the conversation's uh, so timely right now, but um, you have to have something on to trade against. I guess it's awful hard to sit here and say I want to sell corn or I want to sell bases when when both things are just at the lowest levels they've been in, in recent history. Um, so it's it's a it's a tougher question and it's not one that has an easy answer to it at all. And there's nothing out there that says screams sell me, sell me, or buy me, buy me right now that I can see. Yeah, very, very difficult. Very, hey Mike, difficult. are you are, are you let's switch gears just say you know, we've had a couple of calls and oh, I was on some webinars and different podcast things these last couple of weeks with companies and different people wanting me to speak. Uh, the events got cancelled. You know, it seemed like the farmer oh, a couple of weeks ago, through the Midwest at least, most of the producers were, I don't want to say in denial, but, you know, they weren't noticing or seeing anyone around them uh, on a respirator. And nobody, you know, really in the rural areas had come down with a whole lot of things and thought maybe, you know, a lot of this was overblown. And, you know, now we're starting to get some calls and guys are like, holy hell, I mean, you know, what are we going to do here? This ethanol plant stopped taking uh, our corn and, they canceled the they didn't cancel the sales outright, but some folks are wondering if they're gonna, you know, cancel the uh, yep. tickets. And and I just think, you know, guys got to start thinking of some type of contingency plans. And just as we've had to in our own businesses and other business, I've had salons ask for forgiveness on rents. We've had restaurants ask for forgiveness on rents. You know, I understand some of our producers who maybe it's the father and the son, or it's just two or three key. People, uh, you know, what, what happens if someone gets sick here at uh, planting? And what, what what happens if, you know, the facility that you're delivering to has to close? What happens if the uh, John Deere dealership has to close that? Or where are you getting your equipment work? I mean, there's, there's just a ton of what-ifs. Yeah. I'm on the board of a, uh, an equipment company over here, Redline Equipment, out of Archibald, Ohio, and they work Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan. And they've gone to, you know, some of, you know, they'll leave parts out on the, on the sidewalk. You go pick them up. You know, they, we, we've gotten to go, uh, have to go to some social distancing even, even there. And, and Kevin, I, I think this is part of the problem with livestock. You know, we've got, looks like a two-week slowdown at the, at the JBS plant over here in Pennsylvania. I think that's a real risk that these, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, processing plants, you know, um, uh, struggle with having labor. Uh, you're, you're seeing some of that, obviously, in Brazil and Argentina, that labor has some concerns, you know, for health reasons. So th there are going to be some real serious challenges here. Uh, all I can tell people is we've got to be alert. You know, when you guys called, I was watching the president with his daily press conference. I think we owe it to ourselves to make health a priority. 
and, and we've got to somehow get through these next two to three to four weeks um, and then begin to see what's coming out the other side of this. Now, I, I, by nature, I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm excited about what I think will be some developments coming out of science uh, that will help. And, you know, in terms of therapeutic drugs, we're eventually going to have a vaccine. We're probably going to behave a little bit differently down the road, um, which will help us when dealing with uh, annual flu. There's some things I can see down the road. But I keep coming back, Kevin. The, pro- the answer, I don't have a good answer. Andy doesn't have a good answer. I'm not sure that you have a good answer either about what do we do this, with this guy that's got too much old crop corn. So I'm just I'm trying to get people to say you've got to have a plan. But Kevin, you're no different on this. You're always pushing that. You know, uh, the, the problem for you and I with our grower customers is once you set the plan, you've got to make sure you execute the plan. So you're going to be sitting down with your lender. You're going to be talking about all these issues. You're going to be worried about the health of your family farm operation. There's a tremendous amount of stress. Uh, we we got we to work through this together. We can't bury our head in the sand. We have to develop a plan. we got to execute. I, I know that that may not provide a lot of solace to people, but that's, that's all I know. We're, we've all been roughed up. The three of us on this conversation have all been run over. We have. Uh, where I think we've benefited is we hitched up our trousers and got after it. And, uh, and that would be the encouragement that, that, that I would give growers. This too will pass. Um, you know, I know that in my situation, Kevin, maybe Michelle's this way. She's going to start buying more bulk, you know. She's going to go to Costco and Sam's and maybe not the local grocery store to make sure she's, you know, uh, all set with, with food for your family. You know, governments are going to behave that way, too. Do you think the U.S. government's going to get caught short ventilators again down the road? We're going to have too much of this stuff in store, right? At some point in time, governments are going to buy a lot of this product and take the excess off, and we'll be in better shape. But we've got to make the bridge uh, to get to that next point. So, uh, you know, we've got a problem up front. Uh, it'll get better down the road. Uh, we've got to do a better job of executing whatever plan we put in place. And I, I know that sounds a little preachy, but, but I think that's the message today. I, I hope that's said in some sort of positive way or it's heard that way anyway. Yeah, I agree, Mike. Hallelujah, brother Mike. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you what, and Andy knows this place. I miss my little Mexican restaurant and margaritas down the road. You know, we've got to get to a point, Andy, where you and I can have one of those little cocktails down the road. That's that's. Uh, but in the meantime, the three of us have got to work through this with our producer customers. They've been through tough times before. Um, you know, Andy, I was uh, at the board the Friday before Black Monday, and I, you know, that was a panic day. We've all witnessed that kind of stuff. And by God, we're still here oh, yeah. all these years later. You know, you just got to keep keep working at it. That's all you can do. None of well, we appreciate it. Most Ambo, the Ride and Shetlands. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yep. <laughs> Uh, we appreciate it, Mike. I think we're going to uh, try and wrap things up. I know I think Michelle's got some dinner cooking in there. Hey, we've eaten at home more than uh, shit than I can remember. I just got to dial in the uh, cal- the caloric intake a little bit, I think, Mike. I, like yeah, you said, I got a plan. Just, just failing to execute when Mama's got the good vittles cooking in there is sometimes a problem. So. Well, yeah. give my, Michelle my best. Everybody stay healthy. Andy, stay healthy down in Florida. I worry about Florida. Uh, we yeah. have a lot of friends down there, and, and make sure they stay healthy. Okay, partner? All right. Yeah, thank you, Mike. You too, Mike. Thank, and, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. guys. Yeah, Appreciate okay. it. All right, Andy. Talk to you, buddy. I'll see you.